stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Guaranteed to be slower than Rosenquist, yet more reputable than Kelberg. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Oh my god. <laughs> Hello, it is Monday, September 11, 2017, and we hope you will never forget this exciting episode of Motorsport 101. Yes, um, it is I, RJ O'Connell, reporting from <clears throat> triathlon capital of the world, Chattanooga, <laughs> Tennessee, where, uh, where, one, uh, where one former world champion uh, actually took part in a, in a big triathlon that was happening around town. Uh, we we did not get to cross paths, but believe me when I say that the the aura and the presence of uh, Jensen Mania was all around this great city on the river. Um, Zoe Hamilton is with us from Glasgow, Scotland. Say hi, Glasgow. Zoe. Glasgow. Glasgow. <laughs> You're pronouncing I've, it I've properly. Been, You're not pronouncing it the American way. I have already been put in my place, and we're not even um, two minutes into this show. This seems Former to be fair. murder capital of the world, and also voted Britain's friendliest city. That no, that is a big swing. <laughs> that is a big swing. No, we, we had also those two records at the same time. At one Wait, point. what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Basically, we'd stab you, they'd get you to the hospital with a smile. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan King. Uh, speaking of. Uh, friendly murderous cities ryan king from beautiful new york city new york yeah say hi ryan hey guys I, I my my football teams both of them college and nfl did not do well this weekend <sighs> yes um do do not let the uh, the mainstream media distract you from the fact that the Buffalo Bills in the division that contained the Super Bowl <laughs> champion New England Patriots actually lead the division after one week. Do not buy into this at all because it is all going to go so horribly wrong because being a Buffalo Bills fan is like biting into a cake that has razor blades in it and you realize when you're in the hospital that this is the 12th time you've done this. This is the football team that spent the first half of the 1990s going to the Super Bowl four times in a row and losing all four times. Listen, listen, I know what everybody is thinking by this point. RJ, you promised that Andre Harrison was going to be back on next week's show, and he's not here. You promised us one thing, and then you tell us another kind of stuff. I am going to cancel my Patreon pledge at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101. I will unfollow Twitter, your Twitter profile at motorsport underscore 101. I will unsubscribe to your YouTube at youtube.com slash motorsport 101. I will absolutely not ever be listening to this podcast on <laughs> iTunes or SoundCloud or any combination thereof. You see what I did there? Well, we just want to let we just want to let you know that um, uh, Dre sends his best regards, um, Mister Mister William Hill. Um, his boss is uh, is taking very good care of things over there, um, and Dre will be back for next week's show. We hope. 
Now, now, I'm not saying that this exists, but let's just say that there's a, a group of conspiracy theorists out there who believe that Dre has not decided to appear on the show because of what occurred on Thursday Night Football last week. <laughs> because the Kansas City Chiefs destroyed his beloved New England Patriots. Hey, look, I've uh, I've been I've been kind enough to show up uh, the next day after a humiliating sports related loss. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm sure Dre would understand, but Dre is Dre will be back next week. We hope. Please be back, Dre. We miss you. We miss you, buddy. We miss we miss the control you had over the show. <laughs> what am I doing? I I. I can't. I, I'm adjusting the the volume knobs, and, and nothing is working. That's that's the thermometer. Why am I adjusting the thermometer? Welcome to the Get Girls. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, also, if you want to follow our personal accounts for whatever reason, um, Dre's is at Harrison One Hundred One HD. Uh, Ryan's is Ryan Eric King with two K's. Mine is RJ O'Connell with two N's and two L's. And Zoe's that we Zoe with two E's and two E's. <laughs> right. Should we, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about some non motorsport related mess that's been going on. Let's keep it 101, baby. There was a, of course, we talked about it on last week's show that Lewis Hamilton set a new Formula One qualifying record. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about motorsport, but you were very fired up about this thing that you read um, and paid actual money to read. Um, <laughs> Don't remind me. It's okay. It's it wouldn't be the first time any one of us had paid for a service that you know had failed to deliver upon expectations. Um. King, what do you make of uh, this latest article in Autosport Plus about their debate on whether or not Lewis Hamilton is the greatest qualifier of all time? Um, let's just say uh, I I agree with the the thesis statement that Lewis Hamilton is not the greatest F one qualifier ever. To a point, <laughs> to a point, <laughs> because their methodology on determining who they thought was the greatest ever is a bit skewed. And I say skewed because, obviously, Lewis Hamilton has the most all-time pole positions in Formula 1 history. We, we all know this is a bit skewed because he has more opportunities to get pole now than any driver has had in the past. So a lot of people, including myself, like to use, you know poll rates how how like percentage of qualifying sessions do you get poll and just you know straight up on a piece of paper that's Juan Manuel Fangio but they decided uh it's they decided to make an adjusted poll strike rate which they did not really put like they just have percentages here they don't really explain why the, the rates appeared as they do, but like their top four of all time have um, 
Ayrton Senna sitting at a 44%, then Sebastian Vettel at 37 then Lewis Hamilton at just, uh, I think, 34 and then Michael Schumacher at just below 34 behind Lewis. And Bullshit. it's... <laughs> and, like... Basically, they wanted to remove, like, first of all, they were like, we lessen the value of pole positions before the introduction of wings, which I'm like, why? <laughs> second of all, uh, they decided to only count qualifying sessions where the driver, quote-unquote, had an opportunity to win pole, which I think, under their reasoning... Uh, that car would have that specific the car they were driving would have had to had scored a pole during that season, which um, look, it's mm, it, so basically. So basically, this is a lot of made up stuff here. It's a very well meaning idea, but its execution was very was wasn't as great as it should be, and it kind of comes off across as uh, perpetuating the same kind of tired fanboyism that we've been used to seeing in Formula One. Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, and like, it's it's fairly skewed to, to favor, because the other two metrics they use is the, the average advantage that they had in getting pole over their teammate, and also the, the average advantage they had over the driver who qualified second. And that puts, like, Ayrton Senna, like ahead by a mile like if you look at a chart it's like he's in his own different world because in terms of qualifying when he was driving he was far better than anyone else right this is our this is our methodology it weighs drivers uh and their pole position achievements based on the their, their brazilianness um, <laughs> whether or not their um, last name begins with an s uh, how many blue hats they have from the Brazilian National Bank? Um, <laughs> Zoe, wish... you 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 seem to have a you seem to have very strong thoughts on this. Um, well, I'm currently th- wishing that that news hadn't got back to Colin Chapman, but Jim and Bob Dance and the rest of the Lotus team were trying to stick a helicopter blade on the back of the car to study downforce. Hmm. And, uh, that was a and, thing, uh, and there were some like it's it's ve- it's it's not like blanket changes that affect everyone. So like technically, they they didn't count Schumacher's return. So like when Schumacher returned from his first retirement, like they just completely that never happened. I mean, some people kind of wish it didn't. We'll be honest, yeah, um, but that i believe that about covers this piece it's it's very interesting will we ever have a consensus greatest qualifier of all time who knows if you just look at statistics nah right son now, clark goes from second to not even the top five that ain't fair autosport what you doing <laughs> what what are we doing when we didn't even include him on the first ballot of our hall of fame yes hey, that that Hey, that was all Dre. We 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 admit that was all Dre. <laughs> I know he's not here, but his, that's a, no no that's exactly exactly why we're doing this. It's because he's not here. <laughs> let let me explain his methodology. His methodology is we don't know what he would have done 
he died. And I had disagreed because even his career up until that point was legendary. He was the all-time Grand Prix wins leader when he all died. All-time leader, all-time pole leader, fastest laps, um, the, gra- the Grand Slam, which still hasn't been taken by anyone. And if you consider Graham Hill won the championship and basically any teammate Jim had didn't win a, a classified, like a championship um, related race, Jim Go was probably off. going to win that championship. The only person yeah. who won a race against Jim on an F1 official race was Ennis Ireland, which is where Jim Clark won and he got fired at the end of the season. Go off, Zoe. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zoe. What what do you what do you have for us to discuss? What kind of uh, what kind of nonsense do we have to talk about today? I I kind of don't have anything. I kind of unless you want me to keep ranting about Jim and try and compete with Daniel for being the biggest fanboy for Jim. <laughs> I really um, don't have anything. <laughs> I want to ask a question. Um, do do Scottish racing drivers suffer from Andy Murray syndrome as much as Andy Murray does? Andy Murray syndrome? Um, that is the syndrome where like English people will say that, oh, he's British when when they win, but they're Scottish when they lose. Dario just didn't exist. Megan, neither did Dan Weldon or Justin Wilson or well, anyone I don't, else. But, like, over. if you consider just Formula One in this conversation, Formula? like, okay. I've uh, never seen any Scottish driver described as Scottish while they were driving, except for Ball Arrested, because he wasn't, like, the top British driver mm-hmm. when he was racing. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Late career David Coulthard? Sliding hard in that situation. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he, when, yeah. Yeah, when he, he left he, McLaren and went... Went to, you know, what is now Red Bull. Yeah, he was definitely, he was definitely Scottish. To be honest, I never really noticed it as much with F1 driver, with with NF1. I notice it in other sports. So I do. I notice that the sort of, we're pretty, it's, the sliding scale, as I say, is, it's English, British, and then, Altogether, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. Or Irish if we're claiming them. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> because you can't really mention it in F1 because all of Britain's greatest Formula 1 drivers were Scottish. Muddy Walker agrees, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And until Stevenage is annexed into Scotland, uh, this, uh, this statement will still hold true. Um, Do, can I tell my really bad dad joke actually oh please do please do f1 drivers named after scottish places or related to scottish places sterling moss lewis hamilton airtown center <laughs> oh my god get out actually stay <laughs> please stay please stay please don't get out that's my um, favorite joke <clears throat> and it winds so many people up it's time to talk NFL football gridiron. Oh God! CTEs. 
Los Angeles expansion that kind of went pear-shaped. Uh, what happened? What happened in football this weekend? Um, gosh, um, my team won, which was not a surprise. Um, which was kind of a surprise, though I'm still not getting my. Uh, no, no, no. It it up. wasn't a surprise because your team was playing my team. That would be the Bills versus the Jets. Uh, Bills won twenty one twelve. Um, the Patriots lost their season opening game for the first time in I want to say fifteen years. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, huh. remember remember when the Patriots only won like nine games a season? Actually, you probably don't if you're younger than twenty. Yeah, like if you don't remember a time where Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback of the New England Patriots, you're probably really young. Gosh, um, what else happened? Um, the Giants and the Cowboys played a slow, prod plotting stinker of a game on Sunday night. Yeah, that was like. That was like 1930s NFL quality of play. Where most of your scoring was happening on field goals. Yes, back when kicking mattered in football. Um, what the hell else happened? Um, Monday night games are tonight. Monday night! As we reveal when the show is recorded, even though like most of you people know this is recorded on Monday... The, uh, the Falcons uh, managed to avoid their dreadful Super Bowl hangover uh, by beating the Bears in a close 23-7 game. <laughs> to the Bears! To the Bears. Which the is Bengals like... Got, the Bengals got shut out. Matthew Stafford threw a pick six for his first pass of the game and then led a 35-23 comeback. How did the Jaguars put up 29 on Houston? See, this, this is what Formula One needs. Formula One needs stuff like this. We need we need a sober on a podium like this. Y'all, the coat the Colts have the Colts have a got the, the Colts and the Rams. They created the first scorigami of the year. 36 <laughs> to 9. Oh my god. The John Boys reference. It's it's the first scorigami of the season. We thought it was cursed, but no, 46 to 9 had never happened in NFL history. Until Los Angeles put up forty sits, golly, in front of a in front of a packed crowd of about twenty mm, percent capacity. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want to play in a college football stadium and a former Olympic stadium that holds what ninety thousand plus people and no one likes your team. Hey now, hey now, don't don't disparage uh, don't disparage uh, Atlanta Olympic Stadium like this. <laughs> Which is nah. now back to being a football stadium. Yes, yes. But it has much lower capacity, so. That's fine. You just want to have that intimate setting. That, that intimate setting. <laughs> like the Los Angeles Chargers. God, yes. That's that's going to be weird. They're playing in a soccer-specific stadium. Um, yes. What's a, what's a good, like, Premier League analogy for, like, a 30,000-seater? Uh, probably say like Burnmouth, like they they play in a pretty small place but i mean like it's it's hard to compare because like in terms of the nfl the average stadium has at least sixty thousand seats yeah it's like everybody plays in old trafford 
<laughs> yes, everyone and their mother plays in Old Trafford in the United States. And it's like, we live in a land full of, like, full of, like, camp news, where it's like we have thousand seaters that the NFL is like, no one wants to, like, see football played here because they're like, no luxury boxes or Wi-Fi. So we play in 60,000 seaters with, like, sushi bars and Wi-Fi and, like, HD TVs everywhere. <laughs> Or if you're like the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium Atlanta, um, you just have an entire like a, a, a circular orb of. Oh, that is of, glorious! <laughs> that is glorious. It looks, a... it looks like something out of like Blade Runner. Like if they had like an NFL stadium in Blade Runner, it would be Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. <laughs> Or it might be even be the new L.A. stadium. <laughs> it, it depends on what kind of Blade Runner look you're going for. Um, what happened? I just, what? Uh, I just oh. want to say Murrayfield, the, the home of Scotland rugby, um, renewed, proudly announced it renewed its contract with BT, Ooh. which is all fine and dandy if it wasn't for the fact that the, the stadium was the the biggest black hole in the world where you can't get a signal <laughs> at all. <laughs> Maybe hopefully this deal, this renewal will involve, you know, cell towers being installed. What? I mean, we can stick a paper up on the roof, so why not? <laughs> um, and again, we just, we want to just send out well wishes, because last week we were dealing with the after effects of Hurricane Harvey in Texas. Um, as of recording, this the residual effects of what had been Hurricane Irma are about to go pass over where I'm at right now. We're not going to get, like, the worst of the 100-plus mile-an-hour winds and the property damage that a lot of our friends in Florida have been dealing with. Um, but it's still gonna just going to dump a lot of water on us. And obviously, you know, I just really hope that if you are an avid listener of the Motorsport 101 podcast, or if you know anybody that's in the affected areas, just keep them in your thoughts and just make sure that they're doing all right. Cause I've, I've got a few people as well that are going through this kind of mess. Some of them could not evacuate because they simply didn't have enough time or funds to get out. Um, they're all pretty well off for the most part, but I know that others are not going to be as well off for a while. It's it's a bad storm. This is the worst hurricane that's hit in about 12 years, and this is potentially part of a string of three of the worst hurricanes that we've ever had on record hitting in one, in one entire sequence of a couple of weeks. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. I, I like... I don't want to get into the whole science argument about this, but this is, like, unprecedented. Like, literally, since record-keeping for, for the storms hitting the continental United States has started at the start of the 20th century, this has never happened. <sighs> mm, that is, yeah, like, as we said, it's, it's another debate for another time. We just really hope everybody is doing okay. Um, on a moving on. lighter note, you, we really need to be more inventive of the the names of hurricanes because we had what we deemed a hurricane, and one of the radio stations went, "What should we call it?" Oh and it God. quickly became known <laughs> as Hurricane Ballbag. Uh, what? <laughs> like, like, okay, 
Okay. Here in the United States, our, our naming system is actually based on a formula. So the way it works, you can all, we our know what- Our formula is boring. Just do what they did on Metalocalypse and call it Scrambles the Death Dealer. Like, they set out years in advance what the names are going to be. It's always going to be in alphabetical order, and the genders are always going to switch every other name. So, like, you could always, like, they have lists of the names, what, like, what the Hurricanes are going to be named in 2022. There's a wiki article for Hurricane <laughs> Ballbag. It has an official name, but we don't know it by that. Though, they, <laughs> like, they do take names out of the sequence if they're, like, too bad. Like, I know, uh, the last Katrina. massive... Yeah, Katrina got retired. The mass, the last massive hurricane to hit Florida, Hurricane Andrew. That that Andrew got retired. So anytime there's like a hurricane where it's like, yeah, this is like a tragic event, that name gets taken out. Though next year there's gonna be a Hurricane Kirk. There's gonna be a Hurricane Kirk. God. Everybody, I can't wait for all the debates on whether or not Cap Hurricane Kirk or Hurricane John Luke was a lot more <laughs> uh, There's also going to be a hurricane. Forgetting hurricane Catherine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Here we are. Cisco, we're we're talking Benjamin Hurricane Benjamin. We're, we're we're talking about the weather and we're talking about depressing stuff. This really is the most British podcast. Oh, who's ready for like Hurricane Tony next year? <laughs> Mm, now just, but 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 Tony Stewart's not to, coming out of retirement. Scottish radio, we'll name your hurricanes. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they should just have one year where it's like Scottish radio. You pick the names this year. <laughs> mm. Well, folks, uh, let's uh, let's talk about some Singapore. Let's uh, let's sling it. Let's sling yeah, this. Yeah, thing. let's let's hopefully that isn't typhoon effect. gets back underway with the Singapore Grand Prix. This is the 10th running of this event. What in the hell? How did we get this far? Man, it's it amazing. Feels, it feels like 2007 is such a long... Wait, no. If it's 10th running, is it... 2008. Two, 2008. Oh, my crash gate. No! You can't pry that win away from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> Uh, that's exactly what Nico Rosberg says when he held off Daniel Ricciardo in last year's running of the race. So we are guaranteed a new winner of this event this year. Who, who do you think will have the uh, the chance? You know, Mercedes say they favor Red Bull or Ferrari to have the upper hand. And that's traditionally been the case the last couple of years because this is probably one of the few tracks where uh, on this not abrasive service without a lot of tire wear, very cold dark conditions for some reason it just doesn't favor the mercedes amgs yes because this this it's hard to be a power track when you're like so close to the equator and the race is so long 
Oh. Yeah, we forget that it's it's long, like, mm. and it's it, it, the the lap is about a two minutes long. It's one of the longer laps in Formula One. Uh, you are guaranteed a safety car, so you're bumping up against that time certain limit every time you race here. Yeah, because you you realize the most similar race to this on the calendar, not in terms of speed, but in terms of you know layout, is Monaco. At Monaco, they don't go full race distance. They only go, I believe, 260 kilometers. They're still going the full 305 here in Singapore. Hashtag 305 live. <laughs> um, so just as a uh, so just as a quick refresh and reset um, for how uh, we're looking things here, uh, Lewis Hamilton. We talked about him. Greatest qualifier ever, depending on who you ask. He has a three-point lead over Sebastian Vettel. Vettel has held the championship lead up to this point up through uh, last weekend out in Italy, at Italy where it just looked like either Mercedes looked really good or Ferrari looked really dumb. And Mercedes are about to put another championship away, but it could be Ferrari. This is probably the most critical race for Ferrari to put any more ground coming up because the next couple of tracks here... You look at Malaysia, this is typically a Mercedes favorite circuit. I mean, hell, it's sponsored by their primary sponsors. Japan, ooh, that is definitely uh it's definitely a Mercedes territory. USGP, uh, eh, who knows? Uh Mexico, well we don't really have a, a track record on that. Well, um, like just just based on the conditions, it's a Mercedes track. Yeah. Yeah, and then sometimes weird stuff happens. God, can you believe the two last year's Mexico Grand Prix actually happened? Yeah, <laughs> that was mm, the only thing I remember is uh, the the cool down room when a certain driver did not get the podium they thought they got. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> and then the podium changed three times in a span of twelve hours. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness. That's great. Um, yep. So everybody seems to, everybody seems to like uh, Ferrari and Red Bull's chances to steal a win off of Mercedes. Um, Sebastian Vettel has won here before with Ferrari. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo came very close to winning here a year ago, as in less than half of a second away. Um, it's going to be an interesting weekend and that was before we got the bombshell news about Dieter deadline day. Oh, oh yes, dear. we're, we're oh starting dear. to see the effects. As reported on Autosport magazine, there is a there is a big driver move upcoming. Zoe, what what is what is this big driver move? What's happened here? Which one? <laughs> The, the one that's pretty much confirmed or the ones that were kind of still up in the air about? <laughs> no, let, let's start off with just the confirmed one. Yes, right. yes. Na uh, Neymar's said... coming home. Neymar's coming home. <laughs> Man, Rooney to Everton. This is this is crazy. He's going to come back home. Finish it out. <laughs> um, no, it's neither one of those. It is our, it is probably one of my favorite drivers on the grid at the moment. Carlos Sainz Jr. He's going to the factory. He's going to Renault Sport F1. 
Oh, baby. We kind of thought this, but this was a possibility for a while, even after Carlos Sainz and Toro Rosso had said, oh, yeah, we're totally staying together for 2018. When you know you weren't, you know you were going to shop around for the best offer that was available. You, are you saying certain yeah, I mean, I mean, when have uh, when have Formula One teams ever postured about a driver's status while they try to do another stuff, try to do other things to shop their drivers around behind the scenes? Never would have imagined that. Never. The lead from Dieter Rankin of uh, reporting for Autosport, Carlos Sainz, has signed a deal to join Renault and trigger a series of domino changes that will secure McLaren, the French car manufacturer's engines, for 2018. Okay, so this is apparently the first part of a three-team trade, which is, like, something that you would only see, like, in the National Basketball Association. And right. it really shows you how much the drivers are kind of valued by the teams. Yeah, in, yeah. It, it's kind of gotten to the point where just like Red Bull have found this uh, this spoil of talent, and we might talk about this in a little while about the future of the program. Um, so here is what we know is going on: is that it's more than likely that Carlos Sainz is definitely going to go to Renault. No official announcement has been made by any of the parties, not by Sainz, not by Renault, not by Toro Rosso or Red Bull or Honda or McLaren, who are all involved as parties. Um, but what this deal would do um, is it would allow Renault to end its deal with Toro Rosso early. Then Toro Rosso would pick up Honda engines for next year. And that would in turn effectively do a swap with McLaren, who would get a supply of customer Renault engines for 2018. Renault yes. would indicate, yeah, um, even Alain Prost acknowledged on TV that there were talks with McLaren ongoing, and now it seems like there is actual heft to this. So let's, uh, so let's, uh, let's first, let's uh, break down this uh, steal here. Yeah, I have all the information in front of me. I can break it down team by team, because there's also some additional caveats involved, which is also interesting. <laughs> Yes, let us let us break it down while Zoe uh, while Zoe goes to the big. Okay, so so basically we're looking at a lineup of Carlos Sainz and Nico Hulkenberg for 2018. Y'all. Yeah, right now it's 2018. There are some very like on the fence rumors that this might be done by Malaysia, which like it's been con like the only source that's putting this like legitimate source that's putting this out is Automotor Unsport. Which like they're a bit iffy, so I wouldn't. I would take it with like a massive grain of salt. Yes, Automotor and Sport, one of the few publications that, despite putting out good journalistic content, still feels the need to get excited about grid girls. But we'll leave that to the side, y'all. Hulkenberg and Signs is a very good driver lineup. You get Hulkenberg's experience and the talent that many people still profess that he has, and Carlos Signs with the talent that he still has, and he's still gonna be what just 24 net season god this is a good driver lineup be a push. how in the It'll give Hulkenberg one heck of a push yeah oh yeah yeah so apparently also part like Carlos Sainz was obviously compensation for Toro Rosso canceling their deal 
also Renault would have to pay a multi-million dollar settlement to Jolian Palmer for breach of his contract. Yeah, because the uh, because the rumor is that Jolian Palmer, well, we know he's not going to be back if this goes true. Yeah. <laughs> now we now we know that he now we understand that potentially potentially and we'll we'll talk about this because uh, they're saying that this deal could go through as early as Malaysia. Which means yeah. Carlos Sainz would be in a Renault by the next round of the championship. Yeah, and Jolene Palmer would be without a ride, but he'll have he'll have the funds to take his talents wherever he, will, he pleases. He will be he will be a free agent for Petit Lamar. <laughs> oh goodness! So that Maybe leaves can, the question. Could start the the Mazda route to Indy. Yeah. Absolutely, Jolene Palmer, come to Indy Lights. You got the money. You're. Good. I mean, if you don't have it now, you're gonna have the money because Renault owe you a ton. I uh, I honestly could just think he's going to Lamar GT Pro after this, but yep. you know it's fine. Or television. Television is good. He uh, can enjoy Sky Sports. Oh yeah, goodness. He enjoys Sky Sports. Paul Deresta gets moved to Channel Four. Everything's good. Um, so that is how it would impact things at Renault. Um, so you get two top flight drivers in Hulkenberg and Sainz. So now you have the push for Hulkenberg to step up his game and also for Renault to actually start delivering in their third year as a full-on factory constructor. But where does this leave Torosso for 2018? Potentially, potentially as soon as the middle of this season. Okay, so at Tarasso, obviously they have an empty seat. It's most likely going to Pierre Gasly because although it's been announced that they'll be running uh, Nobuharu Matsushita in a couple free practice programs, he doesn't have enough points to get a super license yet. And apparently also part of the deal, Honda won't have say about Tarasso's driver pairing, but, but they... They get to run Honda's engines for free, as well as an additional uh, additional financial funding. Yeah, we were actually uh, just studying up on uh, like what this would do as far as like okay, so we have uh, so I pulled up the uh, the there's a, a business and sport article on uh, Twitter AUT Business Sport. Uh, that actually breaks down how much each individual sponsor is worth to each team. And uh, Honda are worth about 300 million euros to McLaren right now. In case you were wondering why they never got a title sponsor, well, it's because Honda were pretty much funding them. So there goes that funding. Um, yep. Just uh, thinking about it here, you know, there was, a, there was a bit of heated discussion about whether or not um, would Toro Rosso take Gasly or would they take Nobuharu Matsushita I'm thinking you have one seat pretty much cleared for you have one seat you know you're gonna lose Carlos Sainz and unless a miracle happens uh, Danny Kvyat is probably done in this town uh so why not take both of them Gasly obviously has the Formula 2 credentials to his name um and he is a strong championship contender in Super Formula which we'll talk about uh, Matsushita is a race winner in for, in Formula 2, has been for the last couple of seasons now. Um, well, he's not pro- probably not the most electrifying talent. Um, 
He's certainly good enough to where he wouldn't embarrass himself. Um, and also, you know, it, there's not a lot of opportunities for him elsewhere because if he doesn't get the seat, it's likely that he goes back to Japan. I was even thinking about this as well as far as, like, thinking about how this would affect things in Super GT, um, you know, with Honda's... with if. If Honda are looking to partner up with Toro Rosso, you know, it's very likely that they'll just go with Red Bull Junior drivers instead of Honda Junior drivers. And that would leave guys like Matsushita, like Nirei Fukuzumi, and like Tadasuke Makino with no place to go other than back home. Not but through even, any fault of their own. But for, for reasons we'll get to, uh, right now, if they didn't keep Kvyat or go to Matsushita, they would have no other options because all of Red Bull's other junior drivers currently are not eligible to drive in Formula One. Right. There's a bunch of youngins. The rest of the grid is basically once Nico Carey is off the books, it's Dan Tictum, who just got his first GP3 series drive, Richard Vershoor, who's still at the Formula Euro Cup, Formula Renault level, as is Neil Verhagen. Yes. And King... You actually believe that they might start to phase out the Red Bull Junior team? Pretty much, because I know Verhagen, like, pretty all the drivers that they have now, besides Pierre Gasly, they've signed over the past one or two years. And it's most likely that they're going to just keep their deal, their deals in play with the current drivers and just not sign anyone new. Oh, goodness, I, I completely understand why, because you already have your driver lineup set for the next few years. You're good, y'all. Yeah. You don't you don't need to invest in any more young talent. Take a break, helmet. Zoe, um everybody's worried about how picking up Honda engines will affect uh Toro Rosso, a team that has a lot of positive momentum. Their cars are good, their drivers are usually good. Um so we wouldn't it just be something if Toro Rosso could find a way to find performance out of the Honda powered units that McLaren couldn't? It would be like Fernando had passed his curse on to the t to Honda. I don't know if it'd be passed on to McLaren or Honda then. <laughs> I'm saying that this is absolutely 100% plausible that Toro Rosso holds on to their place in their championship, if not improves, and McLaren still struggles with their new McLaren and Renault engines. Shoot, I was jumping the gun a bit because McLaren <laughs> are actually thinking of building their own engines. Yeah, when the, the, the next time the engine formula changes, they are considering building their own engines. It's like we've heard in the past from Red Bull that they would do it, but, like, the amount of infrastructure and, no, like, personnel knowledge and experience that you need to have to build a competitive Formula 1 engine is so high that it's nearly impossible. That you, It's far less of a hassle just to get, buy one off the shelf. Right. Um, I think I think we've discussed this before. Like the, the new engine formula needs to be something that is spectacular and, you know, is going to make sense for these engine manufacturers to want to get into given the current environment, but you also want to make sure that it's, you know, a little less expensive because this is the same problem that LMP1 is having is that, yes, the, uh, the, the hybrid era was amazing <laughs> until it got way too damn expensive. 
and also Dieselgate didn't help. Yeah, Dieselgate did not help at all. Um, I like the move from Renault's perspective. I think it's obviously high risk for Toro Rosso to take on the Honda engines, but at this point, they really don't have a choice here. McLaren really wants to get out of that Honda deal, it seems, which, you know, RIP the reunion of the Dream Team. Mm. Now, like, to me, for Toro Rosso, well, for the whole Red Bull program, it seems to be a massive gamble because... From from Red Bull's standpoint, it almost seems like for for Toro Rosso to pick up the engines, it seems like number one, they're trying to keep Honda involved in Formula One because McLaren wanted out of the deal. It seemed to be like McLaren's gonna leave you no matter what. You need to find another team to join join up with or you're out of Formula One. For for Honda's, you know, side of things. Red Bull side of things, they're not happy with Renault. And this seems to be, you know, a trial to see if Honda can actually make improvements. And maybe, you know, the Red Bull A team will move over to Honda power units when the engine formula changes. And right now, it's set to change in 2021. Liberty Media have been talking about moving that up a season for the 2020 season. So that actually makes, you know, the window to keep Honda, you know, coasting along at Toro Rosso more viable but yeah on on red bull side side of things it seems like uh, a very calculated gamble gosh but i mean if i guess if anybody can find performance out of that it's it's red bull i mean my goodness they did the same thing with renault back at a time where renault engines were not exactly you know powerful Yes. And the engine that you want to have. Yes. Uh, it was a weird transition between, you know, the two the two championship years for Alonso at the Renault factory team, and then you have this, this like, gap of, man, I don't want to have a Renault power unit. I don't want to have a Renault engine right now. <laughs> And then things change, and all of a sudden, Renault finishes at the V8 era with the strongest engine on the grid. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, uh, McLaren, they're in a, a more interesting situation, to be honest. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, that's that's the word for it. Because, like... uh, because they don't have support from Honda anymore... Um, now they're paying for engines, not being paid to run engines. Now they actually have to pay Fernando Alonso's salary, which they didn't have to before. Apparently, uh, McLaren's owners, Mansour Oje and uh, the Bahraini royal family, they're going to cover the costs for a year. But it, it's pretty much they've given Zach Brown and Eric Boulier an ultimatum. You have one year to find sponsors. Oh, goodness. And we know how well this went the last time that Ron Dennis tried to find a title sponsor for the team that wasn't Honda. I mean, in fairness, they didn't really need one, but yeah, now they kind of do. Yeah. They also kind of had waste. Yeah, well, you know, I've I've said for a while that, you know, Formula One needed to get off of its dirty tobacco money, and it still hasn't learned its damn lessons. <laughs> now, now, now it's switched to like a far more intrusive problem. 
goodness. Yeah, it's it's an interesting problem. Just like it's it's certainly an interesting situation if I just hack off my own left arm with a uh, with with a with a steak knife. That's interesting. It's not great. <laughs> certainly interesting. Oh my god! But yeah, McLaren needs to find sponsors, and they hopeful like they feel that. McLaren, the team, they feel like they'll be able to attract sponsors by having better results next year with a Renault power unit. But it's you're in a situation where Red Bull have shown that some, the Renault power unit is also a, a, a difficult horse to work with. Yeah, it's... Mm, yeah, uh, just as... Uh, mm. just, just wait, you'll have a team that will be sponsored by... Um, something like a Zeus Juice or V Juice or Bad Boy and other well known oh <laughs> No, no. When, I, when I mean that F1 has a new sponsorship problem, it has an alcohol problem. Yes, yeah, so it's cut down on the smoking. Now it just needs to get off its, uh, its alcohol bender. Underage drinker. Oh my god. When you. Bernie says, when you drive, never drink. God. But yeah, we, we ran down the situation for all three teams. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um. How does. How does. How do you think South Van Dorn feels about this? Reuniting with Renault. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, th- I think I think Stoffel's just Stoffel. Like, I mean, he, I guess he's he would be glad to have slightly more reliable engines. Yeah, it's it's. He, he did it, look kind of broken at after when he had to retire at the last race. Yeah, I mean, uh, reliability is uh, is uh, it's uh, relative. Just ask Matt for Stappen. <laughs> it's relative. Um, we don't have much other F1 news to talk about, so definitely enjoy the Singapore Grand Prix. It's it's a better race than it gets credit for. Yes, um, yes. Maybe the track is a little clunky, but it's still it's still a spectacle. Like it's genuinely a better spectacle for Formula One in this day and age than you know. Monaco. Yeah, I think it's 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 overshadowed its initial title of being called the Monaco of the East. It's certainly its own thing now. Yep, and please let it stay on the calendar. It's yes. the it's the closest thing we have to driving on an actual wipeout track. <laughs> <sighs> With that said, let's talk let's go from uh let's go from one um big race out east to one big race out west. We're going a wide country, baby. Wide country. weekend six drivers will enter technically 22 (laughs) one will win 
they'll win something they'll win they'll win a race they they may win a championship it's it's the gopro grand prix of sonoma it's uh it's this weekend this indycar season is already over it is it is so dense it's like a it's like a shot of adrenaline right in your femoral artery um we have we told you that there was a chance that five drivers have a mathematical shot and we uh we kind of did some research and we realized that Alexander Rossi basically had no chance because there were only 21 cars in the field. But hold, but hold on one second because out of nowhere comes Canadian rookie Zachary claiming to mellow to drive a second Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car. Alexander Rossi, it's your lucky day. You are now championship eligible. And to tell us how, Zoe Hamilton. Right, for Alexander Rossi to win. He needs to win. Will can, Will's kind of out at that point. Simon can't come better than 8th. Helio can't come better than 11th. And basically Scott and Joseph have to have a first lap tangle, which ends up Scott being classified 21st and Joseph being classified 22nd. So they need to be in an accident so bad that their cars cannot even roll yes. out of pit lane. <laughs> <laughs> And that, or or they're the only people that get involved in this wreck, <laughs> and, and everyone uh, else finishes the entire yes. race distance. Yes, this race is gonna have like high drama, and then just it's gonna be a procession. And then and then Rossi wins. <laughs> and then Rossi wins. Well, remember that like, um, it was supposed to be Montoya's year a couple years back. And then he tried... Don't remind me. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> he, he had that dive bomb for no explained reason on willpower. And one day oh, power got rather salty. Our familiar faces. <sighs> it sits drivers in with a chance of the title now with at least some mathematical shot at it from the from the overwhelming favorites, Joseph Newgarden and Scott Ditson, to the middle children, Elio Castroneva, Simon Pagino, Will Power, uh, to the absolute long shot in Alexander Rossi. Um, well, to be fair, Will's kind of a long shot as well. Whenever people have been talking about it, he's kind of been getting left out. It's just, uh, man, it's, goodness, this is a, uh, it's all it's just all a lot to take in when Will Power, one of the best drivers of a generation, is a championship afterthought. What a world. What a world. Are you are we going to are we we're absolutely going to watch this over some crappy week two football games, aren't we? Yes. We yes we are. are. We owe it to ourselves. I, I'm I will I am going to set up with my coffee and cry and then go to college and cry <laughs> there'll be much yeah, crying for me and now relatable. there will be related to F1 relatable that's so so relatable gosh um, interesting stuff is happening in IndyCar there's a silly season to report on um, oh. let's start off with the let's start off with the big one Zach Veach has got a full-time deal lined up in the works, which should in be announced by, by Sonoma. 
It's uh, it's been announced that Zach Veach has a three-year deal with Andretti Autosport uh, to replace Takuma Sato alongside Ryan Hunter Ray, Mario Marco Andretti, and Alexander Rossi. And you Ryan now Andretti. just realized it. Uh, you now just realized that Andretti Autosport just created an all-American driver lineup for next year. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> though, though. Things could still change. Um, they were consi- like they are considering running a fifth car full time next year, and due to certain re- recent circumstances, one of their former drivers is currently well is likely to be a free agent now, since uh, apparently Tony Kanan has signed is going to be driving for AJ Foyt Enterprises next year alongside Connor Daly. Oh, baby. Gosh, um, you get that veteran presence of Tony Kanan. <laughs> that veteran presence. You get that. You get that strong jaw. You get that bald head. You get that. That nose. Give no, give no shits attitude, which kind of gets people in trouble, especially as your, as your experience increases and your reflexes start to diminish a bit. But it's fine. It's fine. Um. Yali, lots of stuff is happening. What does this mean for Carlos Munoz, y'all? What does this mean for for guest of Motorsport 101, Carlos Munoz? Uh, does he go back to Andretti Autosport? Does he go somewhere else? Um, I want to talk about something that broke uh, last week. And that's about Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport. And they're a list of candidates to drive the... Uh, Drive the uh, the number seven oh, oh, car. I, I thought we were going to mention the other story about Smith Peterson Motorsport about their new upgraded status with Honda Powertrain. Well, Honda Performance Development. Oh yes, they get they get a sweeter deal with Honda. Y'all remember remember when nobody wanted Honda engines, <laughs> and now everybody wants in on them. Well, they they were they were there. Smith Peterson news as well. No, no, it's not. Um, But I, I, I just really want to talk about this driver list. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Schmidt Peterson Motorsport uh, says that there are many drivers that are on a twenty-eight driver shortlist for their two (laughs) thousand eighteen drive. This, according to David Malsher of motorsport network um two of the drivers we mentioned brendan hartley we also mentioned robert wickens who we all kind of thought was going to get one of those uh late season drives before it went to guest of motorsport 101 jack harvey um apparently there is also earl bamber in contention yes, yes. brendan hartley is not the only porsche lmp1 driver who's in the midst earl bamber a two-time lamar winner the guy who one of the guys who won it with Nico Hulkenberg. Though uh, all our dreams are gonna have to, you know, take a little little sidestep at the moment because Sam Smith, he has shut down rumors that Smith Peterson will be running a third car full time. They're still considering it for for Indianapolis, but right now it's only gonna be two cars full time for Smith Peterson next year. Well, regarding a car in Indianapolis, um French uh, uh, magazine Otto Hebdo is apparently doing an exclusive that um, Team Calmer 
is teaming up with them, and they're sticking. Mm, pull that band aid. <laughs> Tristan Gomedie and Paid by touch. <laughs> yes. Tristan Gomedy is coming home. Apparently, this is to to. They're teaming up with Sam Smith to base a stable to participate in the Indy 500, according to this poorly translated page I'm reading off of. <laughs> well, it, that seems to be made to make sense because uh, Smith Peterson was the first team that McLaren wanted to work with to get Alonso to run the 500. Then they're like, then Michael Andretti was like, "Hey, um, I don't hate you guys. <laughs> we can work together." <laughs> Can I also say, uh, if they get Tristan Gomedy, they're getting a driver on the upswing because uh, yeah. he was on the overall podium at the 24 Hours of Le Mans for Jackie Chan DC Racing. Yep. <laughs> mm. And of course, he does have a uh, he does have a track record um, in American Open Wheel. He has a pole position in the Champ Car World Series in just a sit start. Um, Damn, that seems like for- forever ago. <laughs> driving for what was what eventually came to be kv racing um also we have uh we have reports from w radio in uh i believe it's columbia i think it's columbia um i'm reading this uh this uh google translated page it says uruguayan urutia will travel to the united states to agree on your participation in indycar oh we're, we're gonna be an indycar well actually it's gonna be santi urutia Oh my god. Just so many drivers, y'all. <laughs> so many drivers. I wouldn't be surprised if you got that other Schmidt Peterson drive, in all honesty. And hey, you never know. Yep. Alonzo Watch is still a thing. Alonzo Watch. Alonzo Watch. And where we we do have to talk about uh, that third car at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan. Uh, apparently, it might not be a one-off thing. It might become a full-time thing next year. So while one third car disappears, another third car appears. <laughs> um. So wait, is it basically just saying that? Clayman DeMello, Zachary Clayman DeMello, who, by the way, um, very accomplished karting driver. In fact, friend of the show and former guest, Charles Reginball, has actually raced against uh, DeMello for, for a number of years now. Uh, yes. This kid's uh, this kid's underrated. I mean, he's got a lot of money on his side, which, you know, that's fine. But, you know, he's had a quick rise up the ranks from uh, karting right into IndyCar in just a couple of years' time. Yeah, so here's Bobby Rahal on the situation. It's highly likely we'll have two cars, and this event for for Zach and us is a one-off. Let's see what happens. Have a good, solid weekend, and then let's talk. Is Zach, is, is, uh, is he still sponsored by, like, all those shoe companies? I hope he is. <laughs> just be like, uh, your last name. You, you should really just endorse some shoes, like, right now. He's he's gonna do the uh, he's gonna do the Elio route and just merge <laughs> his last name. He's gonna merge his names together. Clamandamello. Clamandamello. 
Oh my goodness, this silly season is just it's silly. This is it's like silly. off the rails. We still haven't had any update about what's going on at Chip Ganassi Racing. No, we haven't. Um by the way, this race is going to be broadcast on NBCSN, Sportsnet in Canada, and the Advanced Auto Parts IndyCar Radio Network at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And on BT Sports at god-awful time in the morning. For the second, yes, I, will... I believe that is 11.30 p.m. British time. Yes, so we bit better than Gateway. Um, I almost forgot something. Um, so ABC's show The Bachelor has been <laughs> oh, a stapler, God. has been a staple of, uh, primetime television now for years and years and years. Um, uh, reality shows around, uh, ranged romance competitions. Hmm. But, uh, you know, there's actually some, uh, investment for us in this because, uh, they've announced a new Bachelor. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's a name we, it's a name we recognize. <laughs> Yes, it is a name we recognize. Uh, someone ha- had divested in the series after hearing this. John Oliver is not a fan. <laughs> Hashtag not his bachelor. Gosh. Ari Leyendyke Jr. Sorry. Super Stadium Superstruck Superstar Ari <laughs> Leyendyke Jr. is the next bachelor of the ABC network. Who'd previously mm-hmm. been on The Bachelorette. Yes, he's previously been on The Bachelorette. He has experience at this. Yeah. I'm trying to find the season he was on. We have, wa- we have well, watched Ari grow up around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and the Lion Dyke name is pretty important to our track's history, says Indianapolis Motor Speedway President Doug Bowles. We are excited to see how this season of The Bachelor unfolds. We will look forward to welcoming Ari and his new love to the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500 Nets May. Oh my god. I like, I don't even give it to that far. Like, okay. Um, I do have this other quote from, <clears throat> from The Ringer where they described Ari Leindyke as he was he was a race car driver. His dad was a better race car driver. <laughs> I replied hey, with, ha ha ha, I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. It, the thing was, the season he was on, um, the, the Bachelorette was Emily Menard. Yes. It is completely different smelling than the than the than the supermarket chain Menards that sponsors Team Penske. But it should be noted that Emily, who had a daughter, Ricky Hendricks, whose whose surname should be familiar to us. Yes. Oh my because god. This this child was named after her her father, Ricky Hendricks, the late Ricky Hendricks. Gosh, it's uh, man, I uh, are are we gonna watch this the way that we got absorbed into the mania of Hinchcliffe on Dancing with the Stars? I can, can I just oof. say I did watch The Bachelorette that season, <laughs> and that kind of a uh, like I had like I don't think we have anything. 
I think the closest we have to it is is Love Island. Yeah, we but I I think you're you're not gonna see a change because like Ari Junior never raced full time in IndyCar. Uh-huh. To be honest, the highlight of him being on that was the fact that at one point Mario walked up to him with a red rose. <laughs> oh my god. Mario will do anything. <laughs> god. Also, the, the two-seater that Ari was driving at the time, they stuck roses on it. Oh my god. <laughs> he got ribbed for it. Okay, just just to pull the curtain back on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for a moment, like, a lot of the contestants on the show are in relationships while they're on the show. They're only doing it for publicity reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Although, Ari kind of went a bit durally. Yes. <laughs> if you never, if you hadn't heard about his time on it. It's tough. Um, I I do just want to pivot here to something that is tangentially IndyCar related because it involves a former American open wheel racing driver who actually became reality TV show champion. I'm a, I'm gonna do it. Let me uh, let me pull up the wiki page for <laughs> Tarso Marquez, former Minardi F1 driver. Uh, formerly of Dale Coin Racing, also had a cup of coffee with Team Penske back when Penske were not very good. Um, I want to I want to pull this up from the uh, from the Brazilian Portuguese page um, that uh, he was on the uh, he was on the uh, the reality TV show Amazonia back in 2012. I believe he won the competition. Um, so we do have a uh, y'all. Tarzan Marquez might be my most underrated. Like um, by the OSW definition, he's one of my boys. He's one of your because, boys. Yes, because uh, his career ultimately amounted to a whole lot of nothing. Everywhere they race, um, he's one of the few drivers that's been suspended for uh, for uh, for doping. He got caught using anabolic steroids. If you look at recent pictures oh of him on his Instagram. <laughs> Um, it kind of shows, like, this dude hits the gym hard. He is swole now. He is, like, too swole to drive an Indy car. <laughs> also, also, he runs a, a he runs a multinational empire of custom motorcycles that has operations in Miami. Whoa! <laughs> his, his bikes have been featured on Bike Week. That is, that is impressive. That is impressive. Continuing the the racer, racing driver related into reality TV shows, an Atlantic Championship competitor Frankie Muz Muns is doing dancing with the Frankie stars. Muniz. Frankie Frankie Muniz. Malcolm in the Middle. Yes. Yes. Which I know what y'all were thinking. Formerly Wait. Simona Di Silvestro's teammate. Yes. Uh, sad. I'm sad. Sorry. What happened sorry, to his what? career, though? God, um, I know some people are, I, I tell this to everybody all the time. It's like, oh yeah, former racing driver, Frankie Muniz. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the greatest uh, actor turned racing driver for, for my money. It, it's still Paul Newman. Yeah. That's, like, that is kind of hard to argue with. 
maybe for this era it's Dempsey, but Newman almost won Lamont outright, and he was a late starter. Uh-huh. Do you know why he had never done Lamont again? Why didn't he? I, I I feel like I would have. I feel like I should have because I, I read his uh his biography about his racing career. Basically, he wanted to do Le Mans as a driver. Unfortunately, he was Paul Newman, therefore he got a lot of the "Oh my God, it's actor Paul Newman," and was not. So happy. he he was he was Dempsey before Dempsey, except yes. on a much bigger scale yes. because "Oh my God, it's Paul Newman." Yes, and got so annoyed that he couldn't just be a race car driver at Le Mans that he never went back. Um. Who would be, like, the most ideal candidate of any crop of current drivers in a top-flight series um, to be on a on a, at a dating reality? I don't even need to answer that. It's Connor Daly, isn't it? It has to be Connor no, Daly. No, because let's face it. We, we know Connor Daly's luck. He would try to give someone the rose. And it would melt. It would melt. <laughs> oh, I was, I was assuming. I was assuming he was on the Bachelorette. I didn't assume he was the Bachelor on the Bachelor. I was trying to give. Well, let Let's face it. Be the first out who's on the Bachelorette. And alternatively, no. alternatively, it's Sage Karam. Though, for for entertainment reasons, mainly for the lulls, I would love. Lewis Hamilton to be on The Bachelorette. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. I mean... I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm really blessed to be given this rose. Hashtag blessed. Here's my dog. <laughs> you know, he would be... He would, he would go on Instagram Live, you know, <laughs> stream his post-show reactions. I mean, I, I would just send her just so I could uh, just so I could hang out with Roscoe. I'm not even gonna fly. <laughs> That's a good dog. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all, we've uh, we've we've taken a turn here. Go watch Sonoma. Um, go watch um, Ari on The Bachelor. Um, maybe I don't know. Go appreciate go appreciate what Tarso Marquez has done in his life after being involved in a. Uh, meaningless career in top light motorsport where the highlight was the time where he accidentally got the uh, the safety co- truck's tow rope tied around his suspension ending his race. Yeah, and I would say don't watch Le Mans. Just watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid on repeat like five times. Also, don't watch Le Mans. Watch Grand Prix. Yes. <laughs> yes. Watch Grand Prix. Watch Grand Prix. Um, what other stuff is happening in the world of motorsport? Let's get into the let's get into the news. Should should we do one last bit relating to ro- romance and IndyCar? Yes, we absolutely should. Marco Andretti is finally tying the knot after five years. <sighs> nice. <laughs> He's... What 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 has taken Mario Andretti longer? Marco Andretti longer. Um, commitment to his uh, <laughs> commitment to his current relationship, or understanding how street courses work. <laughs> oh my god! I, mean, I, I I think I think commitment. Usually. I think commitment was more because he he got that fourth at Toronto. So I mean, he, like to be fair to him, like what Graham Rahal met like 
Courtney Force and within like a year and a half married her or something. They shared uh, a sponsor met and were married within like a year and a half. <laughs> they shared Marco a sponsor. Like, <laughs> oh, it was something like that. But Marco met Marta what like ten years ago. They finally started date like they started dating six or seven years ago. He finally proposed to her like two years ago. It's like it's like you're a race car driver and then you go through love and it's like must go as slow as possible. <laughs> I appreciate every bit of this. Let's let us uh let us go let us dig out of this deep dive. Let's cover everything else that we didn't really bother to give a, a category to in our general news section. You can just uh roll that transition footage, please. <laughs> to this episode of the motorsport 101 podcast so far let us dive right into the to the news of everything that's going on um king super formula happened um pierre gasly is really really good at races that just so happen to have a tire compound rule that is very similar to that which he raced in formula 2 last year Ooh. How convenient. And isn't that the same Formula tire compound rule that they have in Formula 1? Yeah. Um, in all honesty, though, it was it was a really good race. Um, Pierre Gasly was the only driver to start the race on soft tires. Everybody else in the top 10 started on mediums. And Gasly just kept putting on the pressure on pole sitter Tomoki Nojiri until uh, he successfully pulled off the undergut. Nojiri crashed his car while trying to overtake in traffic, um, ending his chance of winning, and all Pierre Gasly had to do was coast to a victory with a rookie 1-2 finish because Felix Rosenquist is a damn music magician. He ran 50 He ran fifty laps in a 54-lap race at Autopolis, a track which is very known to be very abrasive on its tires. Um, he ran 50 laps on his set of softs. And he was gaining on Gasly by the end of the race. Oh my god, like... Is there anything that Felix Rosenquist can't do? It was There was an interesting debate that was going on earlier this morning about how Jolene Palmer took four years to win the GP3, GP2 series title, and therefore he's not very good. It took Felix Rosenquist four years to win the Euro F3 title, I would rate him much higher than Joey and Palmer. Yes. Like, context is very important. Felix Rosenquist is a good driver. Um, Gasly and Rosenquist are now 2-3 in the championship behind Hiroki Ishiura, who finished for, who finished fourth off the podium uh, and still holds on to a pretty hefty points lead with two rounds and three races left to go in the Super Formula season. Um, I may have brought up before... But 
Um, but there like, a, because of Super Formula's point system, it's gonna take like a lot for like for a Gasly or Rosenquist to win the championship. Yeah, there are, and this is not including bonus points here. Um, the the next round at Sportsland Sugo has ten points on offer plus one for pole winner, uh, and then the fi- and then the finale at Suzuka is a two race double header. Eight points are on offer for the winners of those two races, which doesn't really make sense considering it's one of them is the length of a, of a Formula 2 sprint, the other is the length of a Formula 2 feature. They're both worth the same amount of points. Yeah, that is... I, I get it's the finale, and you don't want to, like, overcomplicate things by having two different point systems for one weekend, but, like, y'all, that sprint race is overvalued. Yeah, it's... um. It, it is slightly overvalued just a bit, but that's a discussion for another time. Y'all, um, in all seriousness, the, as much as we were ribbing Gasly for winning the race with the prime option compound strategy, like, it's made Super Formula Racing in 2017 for the two races they've had it. Remember, this, was, this is pretty much an experiment. Like, they didn't commit to this rule for the full season. It's only for a couple rounds in the middle of the season. And the racing has been very entertaining. Um it's kind of counterbalanced at the fact that without this, you know, Yokohama builds a very sturdy tire that you can push on and push on and push on and push on. And, you know, the races are very processional, which it's fine. It's fine. It makes it easier. It breaks the races easier to keep track of for my sake, but, um, you know, understandably. So the racing was very, very good. I also want to take a shout out to Kazuya Oshima for just a bit because he had entered this race with no points to his name, and he hadn't driven full-time in five years. Um, he's still a really good driver. Uh, he finished third behind his teammate Rosenquist. Both Sonoko T-Blavac cars got on the points. That's really great. That team was awful last year. They're great now. Build the team around Felix, y'all. Sunoco, future Sunoco Rookie of the Year, <laughs> Felix Rosenquist in the Sunoco car. Yes. It's got to happen. <laughs> just have just have Rosenquist in, like, all the open-wheel series that aren't Formula 1. <laughs> just Where's Concord when you need it? God. Yeah, where where is that when you need it? Um, what else is going on? Um... We're going to transition the first of our mailbag questions. Uh, we sent out a flash update for mailbag because I was at work being miserable. Um, Ann Harmon asks, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, or other, who will cause the biggest surprise in the NASCAR playoffs? Oh, dear. Let's see. How, how do we run this down? Because the playoffs are... For the most part, unpredictable, despite, you know, they're unpredictable with the exception of Jimmy Johnson being incredibly consistent. Not dominant, but consistent. In case you want to know the drivers taking part here, we have Jamie McMurray, Austin Dillon, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Casey Kane is in this, Danny Hamlin, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Kyle Busch, um, Matt Kenseth? I think that's what his emoji says. By the way, every driver has uh, respective emojis now. Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, um, Ryan Newman, 
Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, Jimmy Johnson, and Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, I'm looking at these. There, there's a couple in not, jokes in these emojis. <laughs> not Dale Earnhardt Jr. He did not make it to the playoffs in his final season. Mm. Could have been so good, man. Um, I don't know what to expect out of this. Like, like uh, it's... I want to say, oh, it's let's go with the guy who's leading the points at the end of the regular season. Let's go with Martin Truex Jr. Nah, yeah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we all saw that how how that happened last year in spectacularly crushing fashion. Oh God, I I have to go with like it's so easy to go with just like the the stalwarts that are always like the veterans that are just good like Jimmy Johnson or Brad Keselowski or Kyle Busch. Like I'd. I probably put those three are my favorites to win the Cup Series. Then the next tier down, I would put you know Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Then, ooh, do I even put Ryan Newman in that class? Or I'd put the young guys in the next class where you have Larson, uh, Austin Dillon, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney. Put them in that you know next category down, and then everyone else in the bottom. Zoe. With how with how much you know about NASCAR, who would you pick? Blaney. <laughs> That's a very very strong pick, and I I'm, honestly I'm wouldn't be surprised. I'm just with the fact that he grew that hair. For <laughs> That's his emoji. That's his emoji. <laughs> he grew that hair and that mustache for Darlington. Um, I, I'm sorry. Also, any driver who's committed enough to do that, you've got to give them an edge. Can we also talk about how Matt Kenseth's race ended at Richmond? Oh, God. How did um, it end at Richmond? I missed it. All I um, saw was... Matt a... Ke- so, uh, Matt Kenseth crashed into an ambulance. Yeah, that's what I saw. <laughs> that's what I saw. The, oh, uh, the ambulance God. on track stops at the, uh, the pit entrance commitment line. Uh, according to NASCAR officials, there was a miscommunication, and the ambulance accidentally went on to pit lane. Yeah, um, Kenseth was caught in a line of traffic. The car in front of him checked up. He couldn't stop in time. His race is done, but he's still in the playoffs. God, could you could you imagine if some screwy shit like that had affected the outcome of the playoff picture in NASCAR? would never happen oh my god no nobody would ever scratch that itch yeah for for zoe's sake i'm gonna put i'm gonna put it in our little discord chat a video of the accident i've I've seen this i've seen oh you've seen it it was that kind of a you, you you watched it and it was like it was you, you sort of looked at the ambulance and went, no, it, it's going to move. It's going to move, and it just doesn't. <laughs> we're seeing uh, we're seeing some uh, a disturbing trend of uh, safety vehicles on track that are not being very safe left where they're at. Uh, I think this is different than the others where, like, NASCAR, like, didn't tell the, like, the ambulance driver of his own will and, like, commitment decided, yeah. This seems like a good idea to go out on track. <laughs> I could get into this cup, this playoffs. I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. I can qualify my ambulance for the playoffs 
winning you're in, guys. Winning you're in. Um, I missed some. Um, just an update on the Centennial Cup because we had our three races of European F3. Uh, Lando Norris just going to do Lando Norris things yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. Lando Norris was definitely the the pick that did was probably the best bang for your buck if you were going for one of the big headliners because Charles Leclerc did not get the job done as you would expect, unfortunately. But Lando Norris, man. <laughs> Yo, can we also give a shout out to Jake Hughes who picked up his first win in European F3 and got he finished second first second. Yep, including the the race where there was an all British podium, which I believe was the second race of the weekend. Yep, we had Hughes ahead of Lando Norris ahead of Callum Islet. So, yeah, I, I think Norris is winning this one. I think I think he's got this championship on lock, especially from after a kind of a dead weekend for Matt Gunther and Joel Erickson. Um. But there is 150 points still left on the table, so anything can happen. Yeah, Lando Norris would completely have to billy gun these last six races of the season. And good thing that I ended up not getting Maximilian Gunther since he finished 13th, 12th, and 7th. Y'all, you know who outscored <laughs> Maximilian Gunther? Jake this, Hughes. Well, yeah. Tadasuke Makino. <laughs> Makino. Stop first time five finish of the season. Oh, he's absolutely going back to GT500 next year. That's fine. He was awesome at it. Like I don't. I don't think. I, I think. It, I think it needs re- to bear repeating. He finished on the podium, and Namir won a race as a teenager. Uh, p- part of me, like part of me, seeing that you know, Honda has a place in Formula One now. Maybe they decide to, you know, Makino could stay one more year. Yeah, it would it would have to be an improvement though. I it, you just you don't want to see a driver like that get left out in the shallow get left out in the deep end for so long. Can we also talk about Matt Stafordi and Sasha Fenestras picking up points in their debut weekends? These yes. kids are good. These kids are real good. Matt Stafordi, by the way, Belgian. Sasha Fenestras. French Argentine. Both these kids are still teens. It's, it Formula Three is pretty good this year, I, I think. It's. Um, I would say there there have been better seasons of European Formula Three, but this class is not anything to scoff at. It's not bad at all, especially with Norris at the top. I mean, my goodness. And you think of guys like Joel Erickson, who probably are good enough to be in Formula One, but. Even as Jens Marquardt, BMW's uh, director of motorsports, says, you know, Joel Erickson probably isn't going to make it to Formula One, and that's fine because hey, you have a ready-made star for your for your future. <laughs> yeah, like BMW, whatever their future ventures may be, they have a star. God, that I just want to see that new M8. <laughs> hey, who knows? Joel Erickson, he could be the future of Andretti BMW in Formula E. Mm, my goodness. I wanna I wanna dip back into the mailbag. Um from friend of the show, Josette Torres. Not not a professor, but but a proud uh proud um Virginia Tech um and Purdue student of repute. 
She asks, of all the IndyCar Silly Season storylines, which one is the silliest? Ganassi not having anyone but Scott Dixon. <laughs> yeah. Although Alonso skipping Singapore for Sonoma, even though it's been rubbished by Zach Brown. It's yeah, still... it's, it's <laughs> we're, we're less than a week away. It's not happening. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, you still get people think it might happen. It's like, or hoping it'll happen. And you're like. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I gotta go with, uh, I gotta go with Ganassi. What's oh, going on there? Apparently Gamendi's Wikipedia official now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please tell me. Is, is pay by touch still a thing that exists? I we need know. to get them back on board just for old time's sake. God, what a blast from the past. Um, shoot. But yeah, back to. Back to. Uh, we have. Uh, well, Pablo Matoya drove a Bugatti Chiron to 250 miles an hour and set a record. Um,. Stefan Sarazan is going for uh he's gonna be in another Toyota replacing Anthony Davidson. Um I think I think we may have tapped out our uh, our dearth of motorsport related content on this off weekend leading into a big weekend of important events. Well, do, there is one... Do we have one... the standings for the Centennial Cup going into this weekend? Uh, not yet. I didn't no. I didn't tally up the European scores yet. Uh, I'd say it, it's... Ooh, it is is fairly close. Well, because they're, you know, Formula One and IndyCar both having races, technically everyone's still, like, mathematically eligible. Goodness. Um... Uh, what what were what are your uh, what are you hoping to see out of the uh, the IndyCar finale this weekend? Oh God, I this is gonna seem like so dull and boring, but I want Joseph Newgarden to win this championship so goddamn bad. <laughs> I mean, same, but I I really just want this to be a I really just want this to be a race that uh you know people will look back on and say, man, that's that's quintessential IndyCar. This is competitive. Um, you had a you had a good fight the championship went down to the very last lap of the season um you know just just have a good race and may the best man win yeah Ho- hopefully jo- i want joseph but if not i want the scenario when it ends up somehow being between alex and will or alex somehow brings it home in his home race <laughs> i it's just that kind of a like the obvious one is Joseph. Like, I mean, and then he's and then Alexander gets the Sauber drive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Because I mean, the thing is, like, you can't with all six of them. You get a good story. Like yeah. Joseph, you're young gun. You're all American. Penske, etc. Dixon. If you didn't think he was one of the, the best drivers in IndyCar, possibly one of the greatest drivers of our generation, the fifth championship, like, sort of cements it. Simon Pagenaud proving it wasn't a fluke. Helio finally getting rid of that goddamn duck after 20 years. And 
they get and shipped then, off. And then bring in the bring in the title home to IMSA, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what just go just just go full like a CM Punk title in the fridge where he's just gonna like put put the Aster Cup in a DPI. You got well, like just doing the whole Aussie grip thing. Because, yeah, and then you just have Alex. That's Reed not his there. gimmick. That's not <laughs> his gimmick. <laughs> gimmick infringement. Okay, what what would you like? Lost the the colorblind lost puppy. <laughs> nah, nah, he he ha it's it's his name. It's his Will name. Power. Yes. As Damien Power put it, look him up, we are identical, it's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just have Alex winning it, which is like is like basically turning what happened at the Indy five hundred last year into that story into a full season. Gotcha. Yeah. We do have, I would say we have four quick stories from Formula One, two from the teams themselves, and then two from Liberty Media. Oh shit, let's do the rapid fire round. Rapid fire! So, I clu- uh, according to Frederick Vasseur, team principal now at Sauber, he plans to employ 100 new employees, uh, so they hope to get around 400 employees by the start of next season. Sauber is coming back, y'all. Don't be surprised if this happens. Also, uh, other Sauber tangential news. Uh, it's uh, looking a bit iffy on whether they'll be keeping Pascal Verline next year, but if Verline doesn't stay at Sauber, there's really nowhere else to go. Uh, will you, like, apparently, it was like Williams say, like, obviously, Williams can't get him. Uh, Force India seems to be out the window now with uh, Carlos Sainz going to Renault, not one of the Force India guys, but both the teams said that they can't pick up Pascal because he's not over the age of 25. Just get just get that Mercedes third driver uh, decorative ornament deal, buddy, <laughs> and come back stronger next year. Pascal Verline deserves better. Okay, and the bosses over at Liberty Media... Uh, Ross Braun has said that uh, he wants to see more Formula 2 drivers do free practice sessions in F1 because he doesn't really like the situation that ended up happening in Hungary where uh, Felipe Massa couldn't race and they ended up not having any Formula 2 drivers, you know, basically... Just, just disrespecting Paul <laughs> DeResta. Yeah, pretty much saying that they had to basically get Paul DeResta off broadcast duty instead of one of the young drivers in the field because none of the F2 drivers had enough F1 seat time for Williams to be comfortable picking them up. Fantastic. And Not then, that bombshell. Wait, no. I said we had four. We have one last one <laughs> from from Ross Braun's partner, partner in crime, question mark. Uh, Sean Bratches, he said that apparently they've had uh, 40 different venues interested in hosting new Grand Prix. And right now he says, well, the cap's 25, so we'll see what happens. Put one. Put one in Chattanooga. I mean, we've already determined that world-class athletics can work here. 
now we got to bring world class motorsport to scenic city. <laughs> to scenic city. <sighs> yeah. You know, um, we uh we managed to end this episode on a lot less depressing note than uh than the last one. What where what what happened? Uh, we, we did Liberty Media is very positive. <laughs> we didn't have a driver releasing poetry on the anniversary of some celebrity's death. Gosh, um, y'all, I I just uh, man, I feel mm, well. Oh my goodness. Well, before we before we get too dragged out, um, I uh, I first of all just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Wait, we, we promised Ray's gonna be back next week. He's gonna be back. <laughs> that, oh, that's presuming it's... I haven't gone down there and beat him to death with my copy of Jim Clark's autobiography. But that's if if you if you Zoe if you. If you whack Andre over the head enough times where he can't come back on the show, that kind of that kind of exacerbates the problem that we're having right now. Are you forgetting the whole murder capital slash friend, murder capital of Europe slash friendly city? There's city? the gloominess that we were missing at the end of this episode. Just, just whacking him over the head. It's like, I like you, Dre, but why don't you like Jim Clark? <laughs> it was supposed to be double pay out if Van Gerwen lost in the first round. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be so God. fun when he listens to this. Assuming we still have jobs on this podcast <laughs> next week, um, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. We are on YouTube at Motorsport 101. We are on Facebook at Motorsport 101. We are on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to support the show financially, you can back us on Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101, where you will get early access to both this show and Bike Live on the Motorsport 101 network. So you get two shows for the price of one. Also, if you want to follow us uh, in our endeavors directly, you can follow us at Ryan Eric King with two Ks. Um, he will be mostly just uh, commiserating about how how his football team kind of his college football team kind of just regressed the mean there for a bit. <laughs> oh my God. He he doesn't have to like it. And, and and to be clear, he he certainly does not. But uh, but yeah, that's what he's doing. Um, Zoe is we Zoe. Um, Zoe, what what do you got going on? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And that's and that's Plotting all you can expect. <laughs> I am at. RJ O'Connell with two N's and two L's and no no knowledge of anything that was discussed. No no knowledge of any plots to to do a hostile overthrow of the Motorsport 101 podcast. Um Andre is at Harrison 101 HD. For now. Um for for now. You never know. He may get that Sky Sports job. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, because there was that time Damon thought he worked there, so. (laughs) Uh, 
and on that bombshell, it's uh, it's time to end this thing. On behalf of your friendly neighborhood, Andre Harrison, I'm RJ O'Connell. They have been Zoe Hamilton and Ryan Eric King. And from everybody here at the Motorsport 101 podcast, we're saying so long, sayonara, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. 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 <laughs> Okay, last thing. <laughs> yeah, we could do it at the same time, but there's this quote in the article from Son Ratches where he talks about how he would impose a new world order. <laughs> oh, oh my god, quote, in an ideal world, and forget the order. You you can't like he, he talks about how he wishes how there was like how he would order the races and he's like, uh you'd kinda have the first third of races in Europe the second third in the Americas, and the last part in America. And I'm just like, that's a weird new world order. Does like Asia just not exist? No, Asia's the, uh, Asia's the whole Kogan of the equation. <laughs> it's Asia's the whole Kogan. They just impose their will and they're just gonna be there anyway.